Good morning. I am pleased to welcome you here today on the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. We are rapidly closing up this Pentecost year, and I want to welcome all the Lang and Mose assembly here for the baptism of three brothers today. That's is that a first for me? I think that will be a first. So you guys are breaking new ground here. Trust me, it's painless for the most part. Emotionally, I can't promise that, but physically it's painless. <laughs> I want to give some announcements here. First of all, our church as a memorial are purchasing new tables, and new tables will be arriving this week. Some of you walked through the basement last week and saw the one sample table that we have. They're round, so they're easy to spot. The additional tables are arriving this week, so that means our old tables are going to new homes. I'm pointing at each one of you. For the low, low, stinky low price of $25, you can take as many tables as you want. 25 each, obviously. It's not, it's not 125. Take them all, right? But, um, and, if, and if, if, if you are eager to go home with a table today, we will be happy to help you out with that. You can see myself, you can see Mary, and you can put dibs on your tables. Now, I tell you, the old tables that we have, what are they? They're seven-foot tables? There, there's, there's nine of them, and they're seven-foot tables, and they are bulletproof. Uh, see your chiropractor after trying to move one, because they are heavy, but they're, they're, they're good tables. It's just they've run their course here at this church. So... If think about, you know, think about those graduation parties, those wedding anniversaries, think about those things where you might need tables because you will not be able to ask this church to borrow tables anymore when the new ones arrive, okay? So that, just letting folks in YouTube land know, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> the new tables will not be on loan. So if you want tables, get the old ones and let them go home and be a problem for your spouse as they take up room in your garage. Mary, what else do we want our good friends and worshipers to know today? Um, just to know what we're going to be collecting for the food shelf for the next... Okay. Did, did everyone get one of those blue sheets as they headed in today? We're raising... If you want to take one of these... This is for the holiday train. Food stuff items for the holiday train, which will be here first week of December. December eighth. December eighth, and then those items go to our food shelf. So there's a there's a list back there on a blue sheet of items that you can bring to church. Drop them off here, and then we will get those to the holiday train. I have another announcement. It's, it's kind of a little awkward. Before we get to our first opening hymn, it's a, it's a dedication today. The hymn is Eternal Father, Strong to Save. So, be, yes. Do you want to do the introduction for that now as because you've requested it, Jim? Just as an old sailor, I'd like to hear it. Oh, that's... And I'm sure other sailors... And you'll lead us in the singing, right? Oh, sure. Okay, all right. Well, <clears throat> loosen those pipes up, Jim, because I'm... <laughs> I'm listening. All right, so that will be our opening hymn, which is number 600. But until then, uh, Marilyn, entertain us. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
We join together in our invocation, which is found in our bulletin. God be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, that we may obtain what you promise. Make us love what you command through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to rise and join together in our opening hymn, number 600, which is found in our heavy hardcover hymn. turn again to our bulletins for our responsive reading, which is Psalm number one. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of the scornful. They are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not wither, Everything they do shall prosper. It is not so with the wicked. They are like chaff which the wind blows away. 
Therefore, the wicked shall not stand upright when judgment comes, nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous. I invite you to rise for the gospel. 
The gospel this morning comes to us from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. We have an exchange here between Jesus and the Pharisees as they, they're always trying to test him. Uh, the Pharisees were uh, a group of individuals who were very well versed in the Judaic law. And they, they knew that Jesus was also equally adept, but he didn't, he didn't travel in their circles. He did things that they found offensive. He wasn't a member of their clique. So whenever they had an opportunity to try to test him, they figured if they could, if they could pose the right questions to him and cause him to falter, perhaps he would lose some of his credibility amongst the following. It was always a sort of futile effort because Jesus perceived their indications. But now they're trying to test him on the, the commandments. They want him to come down on which are the greatest commandments. So that way they could point their fingers at him and say, see, look at all the ones that he has left out. This man is, he is a blasphemer. This man is wrong. But of course, Jesus always has some sort of clever repartee. So here's what we're going to hear today is Jesus and this exchange with the Pharisees about what are the greatest commandments. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said to him, he is the son of David. He said to them, how then is it that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, and I put your enemies under your feet. So if David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And at that, no one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day on did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. May the Lord bless the ring and the hearing of the Holy Gospel. You may be seated. All right, well, I'll just have to let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for this day that you have given us, for this opportunity for us to be in this space, to witness once again the outpouring of your blessing in the form of baptism, to be rekindled and forgiven through the sacrament of Holy Communion, to be challenged and guided by the hearing and response to your word. And all of these things we ask that you would help us to continue to navigate our way in this world, that you would be with us and that you would bring reminders to us that we are not alone in things what you have blessed us with. We do hope that we can build upon and share that we might be able to bless this world. May the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. We ask that you would bless, keep, and guide us now and always. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus was probably tired of being questioned, but he realized that every time that he was being questioned that he 
had to answer efficiently, he had to answer decisively because people were watching. And he knew that if anyone had any doubt in him, it was going to jeopardize the message and the momentum of this call that he had to bring people into this new awareness of God, this new awareness of God's love as was demonstrated through him. Now we have adorned our sanctuary some years ago with a memorial in memory of Barbara Schultz. It's the Ten Commandments because it just kind of perfectly works out that we have ten windows in our church. And so above each window is a commandment that we have and these inscriptions. And so whenever the commandments come up in a scripture passage, I always like to point to our, our cheaters, you know, because no one ever has them memorized. So it's good to have them surrounding you in worship so you can kind of look and feel clever and go, ha, 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 those will be no other gods before me. But she didn't know that. But I won't ask you what numbers they are because then, you know, then it would really get into a, a twist. So what is happening with Jesus today when he is put on the firing line by the Pharisees when they want to come and ask him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Why, why, first of all, why would they even do this? Well, first of all, they were trying to discredit him. I think I've made that abundantly clear, is that they realized that Jesus was giving people hope. He was giving them esteem. He was giving them renewal. He was forgiving them. And they were no longer mired down in the fact that they thought that God had passed over them or that God had forgotten them. But when Jesus came to them, he met them where they were at. He affirmed their, their trials in life. He removed their infirmities and their illnesses. He empowered them. And when a person comes and is able to see you as you are, not as they want you to be, but when they see you and they affirm you and they meet you where you're at, when they tell you that you were loved, when they tell you that you were not alone, when they tell you that you have something to offer the world, you're going to listen. And that's what Jesus' ministry did time and time again to the least of these and the individuals that he encountered along the way. But because he did it apart from the temple, because he did it apart from the sacred areas and the sacred fixtures and sites, the Pharisees called him into question. He was giving the near-do-wells, he was giving the least of these, he was giving the hopeless hope. And he was taking away from their power, their authority, and their influence. So we find in Matthew's gospel that, that the Pharisees were always trying to massage some new way to entrap him, some new way to break him down, some new way so they could point to his followers and say, you see, this man, he cuts corners. He hangs out with all the wrong sorts of people. He takes, he takes chances and takes risks. He's bad for you. Do not follow him. He's an unworthy bet. So they figured they could get him on the law. The Pharisees, they were the keepers of the law. They understood the law. And they knew in their hearts that there was no way that you could demarcate which is the greatest law among so many others. Now Jesus understands this. He understands the interior of their hearts. He understands their motives. How he responds is going to be, hopefully, an opportunity for us to look at the Ten Commandments in a different light. They come to him and they say, which is the greatest of the commandments? He says, well, the first and the most greatest is you shall love the Lord your God all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. 
He goes, this is the first and the greatest of the commandments. He says, and the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, this, these are the two greatest commandments. Now, it took me some while to realize, was Jesus cutting a corner? Was he, was he short cutting the Ten Commandments as we have come to understand them? No. In Jesus' response, he is showing that what we have in the Decalogue, which is another way of saying the Ten Commandments, is actually commandments that talk about relationship with God and relationship with others. Think of it. You shall not worship any other idols. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall honor the Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath holy. Create no graven images. Our relationship with God is encountered in that. So Jesus says, honor the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. Every fiber of your being. That's got to be, that's gotta be the starting point. Right relationship with God. But once we've established and worked out what the, the protocol is for right relationship with God, then we have to pay that forward. Look at the other commandments. Honor your mother and your father. Do not lie. Do not covet. Do not steal. Do not kill. Relationship with the people of God. So when we find ourselves in worship, when we find ourselves in devotion, what we are trying to do is we are trying to reconnect with those greatest commandments. We are trying to reconnect, creating the right relationship. And the only way I can, I can really describe this, and maybe it's a poor description because we find the universality of God is not necessarily always a vertical one. We always ascribe a vertical relationship with God because we figure that God is above us. And perhaps maybe that's a poor example, but it's, it's the best one that we have. But you have to get that right relationship with the divine. And then there's the relationship with one another. And I always figure that, that the relationship with God sets the tone of our relationship with our neighbor. How we would interact with God. The being able to be mindful of what God has given us and the call that God has given us. The gifts, the resources that we have, our very wisdom that we are called to go and to not use that to malign others. To not use our wisdom, our resources, and our power to lower someone else's circumstance, but to raise them up. So Jesus is inviting these Pharisees to think about how they have been interacting with others in their community. Have they been using their power? Have they been using their authority to malign others, to keep them in check, to be able to lord their wisdom and their prominence over them? Or are they using their wisdom to unlock individuals' potentials and lead them into an understanding? If you lay the Pharisees' behavior alongside Jesus, you see that Jesus is setting individuals free. He is not reminding them of those things that they did way back in the day. We all know. We all have people who, who remind us of, shall we say, our worst moments. Usually those things always come up at weddings. It's always like the, the domain of the best man to talk about your worst moments. You're like, dude, this is the happiest day of my life. Do you have to really tell that story? They go, oh yeah, I got the mic. And I'll break arm if, before I get this story out. It never fails that those who you would expect to keep your confidence are the ones who are quickest to say, oh, oh, guess what I saw? Guess what I heard? And so we have these Pharisees who are trying to set Jesus up to see if they can just spoil the goods. So people would move away from him. 
people would start to say, well, maybe that blessing that I had received from Jesus isn't as valid as I had hoped because now the Pharisees came in and caught him in this snare. But Jesus' sole purpose and his sole desire was for us to be able to be in communion with God. And he was not going to let any impediment or any weakness or any misdeed stand in the way of that. So why then are we, the people of God, still so mired in wanting to not set others free? Those who have offended us, those who have said insincere things, those who have just been difficult to live with and hard to love. Why is it we are so unwilling to be able to just let bygones be bygones and to let the infraction be forgotten? Why do we come to church with grudges in our hearts and leave with even more? When we think seriously about these two commandments, it's always an invitation of us to be able to say, do we want to present to the best of our ability our better self? And even if it, is, it seems that we don't have the wherewithal to do that in our companionship with God, God brings out those finer moments. So I want you to do some thinking this week. I want you to think about the sort of intractable standards that perhaps you have placed on relatives and friends, waiting for them to come to you, waiting for them to recognize their level of wrong before you can give them pardon. And then think about your own particular spiritual walk. Think about the conversations that you have had with God. Do, you, do we talk with God when our back is against the wall or do we talk with God when we want to prepare ourselves for the day? Not knowing what's going to happen, but wanting to make sure that whatever happens, we will handle it with a sense of grace. Which means if a disappointment is something that you encounter, you are willing to say, you know what? Mistakes happen. Because you realize that what's important is the relationship between you and the perceived offender. So when Jesus asked us to make sure that we have right relationship with God, he knows that that is going to benefit in how we deal with one another. We have to put in the work. We have to go internally. We have to think about what our public witness is because people are watching. People are taking note. And the one thing that the church always gets maligned with is when we say one thing and we do another. You speak about the love of God, but then we show no love to anyone else. So let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, definitely slow to anger, and quick to pardon. In doing that, we can establish an understanding of the call that God has given us and the opportunity to serve and let it play out in the world. Amen. We are going to join together in our responsive hymn number 451. We are going to join together in our responsive hymn number 451.
I invite the congregation to be seated. And Carol Brady, if you would join me up here for the pending baptism. I need some extra hands. All right. I will have you hang on to these. You can wave the wings and then when it's time to Okay. So as I had mentioned at the beginning of the worship service that we have the baptism of three brothers, Easton, Bryson, and Brecken Lang, will receive the sacrament of holy baptism. And I want you to, as I always do, of course, I want you to pay careful attention because now these three brothers now have an anniversary that they will have in common. And it's an anniversary which reminds us of our own respective baptisms, whether we were uh, of age and could remember them or whether our parents told us about them because we were infants. What's important about the waters of baptism, even though it's not full immersion, but what's important is that it's a reminder that God sets a seal upon us. And God will set a seal upon these boys in order that they would be able to go through life with a sense of confidence that God is with them. And with certainty like that, I mean, you're like, okay, bring, bring life on. Doesn't mean that there'll be no hardships, that there won't be setbacks, that there won't be upsets. By no means. But you'll be able to fortify yourself with the knowledge that God walks with you. So no matter where and what life dishes up for you, God's got your back. So if our baptismal candidates, their parents and sponsors could join with me and we'll just kind of fill this space. We will do this. <laughs> and uh, a little bit of trivia today, for those of you who don't know, we have two Heather Lynn Langs here today. And I'm not joking. We really do. I know. Ask them about it, how that works out. And they actually like each other, so that's good. <laughs> Everyone's like, didn't we already baptize Heather's kids? I'm like, yeah, it's different Heather. It's different. <laughs> they go, hmm. We didn't know she had three boys. Like, different Heather. Okay, seriously. Leave it alone. <laughs> well, good morning to all of you. And I just, I thank you for being here. And I know you feel like your mom set you up, but trust me, it's your mom friends. And she'll make it up to you after the service. Hopefully. Yeah. Remember that, Mom. All right. <laughs> in this service of baptism, we come to declare our faith in God and our eagerness to nurture our children in the ways of God made known to us or yet to be made known to us. We come today publicly as the body of Christ to name Easton, Bryson, and Brecken that they are gifts from God. We covenant with the church that together the church and home may solemnly assume the obligation of nurturing these three individuals in the knowledge and the love of God and in the service and the spirit of Christ Jesus. Therefore, we present them the sacrament of holy baptism that as they get a little older, they'll be able to acknowledge and affirm this for themselves. You're not far from that now. Jesus said, unless we are born anew, we cannot see the reign of God. Unless we are born of water and the Spirit, we cannot enter 
into God's new order. The Apostle Paul said, All who were born of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with Christ by baptism into death, so that Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of God, that we too might walk in newness of life. As the sacrament of baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of God, inasmuch as the promise of the gospel is not only in us, but also in our children. The baptismal water and the Holy Spirit mark their acceptance into Christ's church and the sign and seal of their participation in God's forgiveness and the beginning of their growth into full Christian faith and discipleship. Loving and most merciful God, we ask that you bless this water by your Holy Spirit. And by your Spirit, save those who confess the name of Jesus Christ, that sin may have no power over them. Create new life and the ones to be baptized this day, that they may rise in Christ. Glory to you, eternal God, the one who was and is and shall always be, world without end. Amen. So I'm going to do it a little differently, since two of our baptismal candidates are practically looking me in the eye. (laughs) We will... I'm going to change up the invitation that I usually have for parents and sponsors. Although your responsibilities will not change because they will be coming and looking to you and saying, why have you done this to me? <laughs> so I'm going to lump the, the petitions together in sort of one, one invitation and then I'll have you respond in unison. As the parents and baptismal sponsors of Easton, Bryson, and Brecken. I ask you in the presence of God in this congregation to respond faithfully and know that as you undertake the spiritual formation of these three boys, you will have at your disposal the full resources of heaven and the power of the Holy Spirit and all representations of the same. So for prayers, for instruction, and for modeling the faith, will you, parents and sponsors, be able to do the best of your ability to field questions, to model Christian faith and service, and also to hold these boys in your prayer and your support. If so, please say, I will with God's help. I will with God's help. Okay, thank you. He's easy. He's just ready to get in there. And that's, that's, should we all be so equally enthusiastic? All right. That having been said, dear congregation, You have heard the parents and baptismal sponsors pledge their support to guide these children in the ways of the faith. Do you also couple your prayers, your love support, fielding any questions as you may be so asked uh, as the body of God? If so, let us respond. We will. We will. All right. Easton, come on down. Now, Easton. Since you're sort of the leader in the group here, I want to let you know that your Christian service begins today. Because you've got these two younger brothers here, and they're probably watching. And they probably say, yeah, some people You probably always catch the heat when they do something and they on you, right? You know how it is. But today you're going to set an example for them. You're going to receive these waters of baptism. You're going to show them how it's done. You're going to let them know, hey, come on in, boys. The water's fine. Pastor's pretty good. At least that's the word on the street. All right. The Bryson, uh, Easton, if you would just uh, kneel, I will want to make this happen. Easton, I baptize you in the name of the Father. 
the sun. Uh, Carol, this is the paper towels just right behind me. Mm -hmm. You ready, guys? Okay. You watch Big Bro do it, so <laughs> take one for the team. Rise and I baptize you in the name of the Father. And the Son. Now, do the boys, do the brothers want to stand solidarity with Gregan? I think so. I think I think it's there's strength in solidarity. Alright. <laughs> not not here not so hot on it. <laughs> Alright. We'll do it as a team, Brecken. <laughs> Brecken and I baptize in the name of the Father and the Son. All right, let's hear it for the Lang brothers. And Carol will present gifts now. For Easter. We have a little gift here. And the gift is actually made by her husband, Bill. Bill, put your hand up there. He was the guy reading scripture today. <laughs> And Brecken, his whole Bible, and his certificate. All right. Now, hold on. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you once again for your acts of consecration, your means of grace. We thank you for Easton, Bryce, and Brecken, who have now been entered into your baptismal covenant, who have received the waters of baptism, and who now are in the care of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would continue to lay your grace upon them, guide them, strengthen them, and empower them, that they too will continue to grow deeper in their spiritual witness, and they will pay forth to the gifts that you have given them, silently blessing and actively seeking to bring your kingdom into their world. We ask that you would continue to strengthen their parents, baptismal sponsors, family, and the people of God gathered here today to witness this. May October 29th be a day that they continue to celebrate as the brothers remind of the time when they were knit together in Christ. Bless, keep, and guide each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace and congratulations. Thank you. Moving from the sacrament of baptism into our fellowship of prayer, we continue to lift up our prayers for those that who've been on our prayer list, also for the, the uh, very unfortunate tragedy in Lewiston, Maine, and for the, for the possibility, the strong possibility that there could be peace in Gaza, Ukraine, our hearts. Um, asking these things is not merely an academic exercise. It is an investment in being able to model the things that we pray for. So as we pray for tranquility, as we pray for understanding, as we pray for renewal, may we also be blessed with the ability to model these things which we seek in our prayers. Let us pray. God of grace, God of glory, we thank you for this day that you have given us, 
for the things that we have witnessed and for the part that you have called us to play. We ask, loving God, that you would lay your blessing upon those who are sick and suffering, those in hospital, those who are, whose bodies are on the mend. We also ask that you would guide those who are transitioning, those loved ones who are in hospice facilities, who are in the final chapters of life. We understand that we're all on our way towards something. And maybe that something that we are moving towards is reunion with you. Wherever we happen to be, wherever you find us, may you continue to strengthen our resolve. That we might be able to face the day's trials with a sense of dignity. For the residents of Lewiston, Maine, we ask that well, you would guide the many preachers who are trying to speak to what has happened in their community, the many who have unanswered questions, the ones who are grieving the loss of loved ones, the disturbance of the tranquility of their community, and the ongoing questions of how much more can we endure I ask, loving God, that you would envelop the residents of Lewiston with your grace, that you would bind them together, that they would feel your comfort, that they would feel, as difficult as it is, a sense of renewal. We ask that you would continue to guide the situations that are taking place in Gaza and Ukraine that the possibility of a ceasefire would not be off the table. That it wouldn't be too great an ask. Lives are being lost at a rapid rate. Lives that cannot be replenished. So we ask that you would welcome our prayers that the reality of peace would not be a figment of our imagination, but something that actually is practiced, something that we can get better at. Receive the prayers of your people that are set before you today. We ask that you would hear the petitions that we set before you, and you would collect them in your care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Loving and most merciful God, thank you once again for receiving the prayers of your people. Allow us to remain in contact with you, especially when our day lines up and it looks like we might need a little extra cover. May we take a few moments to check in with you, and may you guide us through the course of our days. Receive these prayers that have been spoken unto you, collect them into your care, and remember us as we pray as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. For these gifts, the ability to be able to go into the world and bless it in a variety of ways. So for these gifts which have been consecrated to this ministry, we ask that you would allow them to continue the work of making Christ known. And that you would bless each and every one of us here called disciples, that as a unit and as individuals, we may continue to keep your light in the world. We ask these things in the sake of He who offered Himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
Now, prior to the sacrament of Holy Communion, we join together as a congregation for our church covenant. And you can find that on the front cover of the blue hymnal. It's a statement that we read together in unison. We covenant with the Lord and with one another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in his holy ways. We will strive to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to be firm in faith, quickened in hope, and constant in charity. And we will consecrate our time, talent, substance, and influence as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. It is a joy to be able to hear the words, you are forgiven, or I have forgotten, or it does not matter anymore, the mistakes and the turmoil that we have committed. You remind us that you do not keep a record of our wrongs. You remind us that you are with us, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And these are words or affirmation that we need to hear and we need to have renewed. So we ask that you would remind us once again the power of your forgiveness. Not what our mind constantly tells us about the things that we didn't get right, but the affirmation that comes directly from you in the image of your, your son who redeems us. May we use that as our motivation and inspiration to go boldly into this world and to live according to the gifts of goodness. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal. He took bread. He divided it. And he says, this is my body which has been given for you. Take, eat, remember me. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the remission of sins. As often as we do, eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we'll be proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Ministering to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I offer you the sacrament of the Lord. The first congregational's table is an open table. Anyone who is desirous and wishes to receive communion is invited to come forward at the invitation. We come and take communion via the center aisle, and we return on the sides, and there you will find trays to receive you. So I invite Carol and Debbie to my community assistance. to you the sacrament of Holy Communion for the people of God who are invited.
That felt good. Let us pray. God of grace and glory, for what you have done, we thank you. It is the simplest, easiest prayer to say. We should say it more frequently. Thank you. Send us forth now as we are rejuvenated by your promise to be with us and by the understanding that you have lightened our burdens. We count ourselves as blessed. Amen. We join together in our closing hymn, number 478. The grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you now and always, keeping you and guiding you safely and in peace.